0: So last week, me and Vinny, uh, went into, um, cyber liability insurance carriers and how they're cracking down on law firms and businesses for that matter, because this is not just a law firm problem, um, on, on those businesses and law firms, cybersecurity pr- preparedness. And in some cases, these cyber liability insurance carriers, if you don't meet the requirements, uh, if you're deficient, uh, they're going to deny coverage. So what's this mean for your law firm? And, and again, a business, uh, any, any business for that matter, because cyber liability insurance is, is, is necessary for every business. What's it mean is that it takes time for you to get ready so that you can check that checkbox, uh, saying that you meet their standards. And so, uh, you know, it means that we need to understand what those standards are. And we're going to go into the, uh, the, the application last week from Oblick. For their uh, their cyber liability insurance, but um, many people ask for this deep dive, so that's where we're at. Uh, we're gonna we gave an overview this week. We're gonna go diving deep. Uh, but before we get to that, I'd like to welcome everyone. This is Jim. I'm Jim Gaston. This is No Law Firm Left Behind. Um, joined today with Vinny Delval. Vinny, how's it going, buddy? I'm doing great. Thank yeah. You. No, this is a, this is a good topic. So what what Vinny and I and Dave, who's missing this week, who will probably be on next week. And we'll talk about Dave's exciting news next week. Um, we're we're here to help your law firm be more competitive, making your staff and your attorneys more efficient, all to help you get and keep clients. That's what No Law Firm Left Behind is here for. And so, Vinny, I, I want to get right in because you know I don't want to waste time. Start, yeah, go ahead. Before you start, I just want to say, I mean, this is the Ohio uh, um,
1: requirements, right? But that doesn't mean that uh, if you're in another state that this might not be coming your way. So yeah, I, just, yeah, yeah. I just want to make that clear. The, the,
0: you know, this is the first application that came across our desks that was this deep in its requirements. And it's from your Ohio State Bar Association Insurance Agency. Um, it is for uh, additional cyber liability insurance above and beyond what their existing policy offers. And if you need to know, need more information about it, talk to Rick Creel, uh, from Oblic, you can find them on LinkedIn. You can find find them actually in our our live stream from last week. Uh, but this is there. This is the application from Tokyo Marine. Um, it happens to be uh, the, the this particular application. Every application could be different. Every state's right. rules could be different for insurance. We're not those experts. We're the experts on telling you how to get ready to check the checkbox and say yes. In yes. in most these cases. Thanks for that clarification, Benny. So, so, Vinny, let's get to it. Um, You know, on this application, and I don't want to keep saying that, so I'm not going to say that again on this application, okay? But on this application, what it asks for, Vinny, is it says there's a section about records, okay? Do you collect, store, host, process, control, use, or share any private or sensitive information, with an asterisk, sensitive information, in either paper or electronic form? We're not going to talk about the paper part because that's not that's not our realm. Now, that asterisk, Vinny says, private or sensitive information includes any information or data that can be used to uniquely identify a person, including but not limited to, and this is varies from state to state, so this is probably for the state's application. Social security numbers and other government identification numbers, payment card information, driver's license numbers, financial account numbers personal identification numbers, pens, usernames, passwords, healthcare records, and email addresses. Broad strokes right there, if you ask me. But generally, Vinny, this follows under the PII and PHI uh, in the state of Ohio. So Vinny, how does, how does, how does a law firm, or business in that, for that matter, determine that, right? And, and how do they differentiate between a regular document and one that has this?
1: Yeah, and to just to say, this sounds a lot like GDPR uh, the standards that are out in Europe. We you know, here in the in the US, we don't have a general standard that, that covers the entire. You know, state by state, uh, they're starting to mandate different things. But you know, uh, and now the the private industry is requiring these types of standards. PII uh, it was what we call personally a personal identifiable information anything that can be used to identify a person right um and again like you said it it's it it could be anything uh from social security numbers birth dates um driver's license information anything that's personal um that identifies that person um uh we you have to you have to protect um you have to make sure that's protected because that's that's really what the bad actors out there are trying to get um, because they're trying to, they're trying to make money. Um, I,
0: think to so. I don't want to get too deep into it personally. I think that's their secondary, t- you know, secondary goal, right. To get that information for resale, right. For resale, think, yeah. but, they, but
1: they also hold it hostage, right? Um, that's exactly they, right. They say I have all this information and I'm going to release it unless you pay me. Right. Right. Um, right. And so, uh, or, uh, they say you know uh, it's encrypted and
0: you're not. We're not going to decrypt it for you until so you pay me. So okay. now I, I I happen to believe and I'm pretty sure about this. And every state's different. Every state has rules on what PII is and PHI. They're generally accepted from state to state. But I believe in Ohio, if I'm not mistaken, it's three pieces of information that make a person personally identifiable. So it's not a first and last name only. It's a. It's not a first and last name. Um, and it's got to include certain elements a social security number or driver's license or an address. So an address and a, and a, uh, an address, I believe it's this, an address and a first and last name may not be it. It might need that additional requirement of a social security number or a, or a driver's license number. I'm not your, we're not your attorneys, right? We're not your attorneys. You should talk to Dave, who's an attorney about this stuff. By the way, that's a little tip, a little secret. Um, Dave is now an attorney, everyone. He was always, but now he's full-time attorney. So Vinny, how does how does one get into you know these these datas and f- the data that they've got on their environment and make this, you know, it's we're looking for the number of electronic records, Vinny. I mean, talk to me about that. Is that something that's easily done?
1: Um, unless you have some type of document management system um, that that has that metadata stored somewhere where you can uh, pull yeah. pull reports or 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 such pull lists, um, um, it can be hard to identify. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but I mean, this information can be in multiple systems as well, like yeah. practice management systems, billing systems, accounting systems. Uh, it could be in document systems. I mean, there's a lot of different places that this information can be. So it is, but uh, it is somewhat difficult uh, to you know, at times, unless you have uh, a good auditing uh, system. It is somewhat difficult to uh, at times determine what that number is.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so some of the systems that are out there that can help with this, if you're using document management. Many of them have e-discovery add-ons, right, uh, that can help with this. Uh, If you're using Microsoft 365, it's got built in to SharePoint and OneDrive uh, features that can go through all of the records, email, documents, Teams messages, you know, lists, databases all in Microsoft 365 and tell you how much is there and to what degree. But Vinny, you mentioned something beforehand. Let's differentiate between a regular document, you know, versus something that's got PII in it. Not every document or every database record has got PII in it. Yeah, you know?
1: not, and they're not looking for number of documents that are pertaining to a particular client. They're really looking for what, are, where, what number of records do you have? And a record be, could be a record in a database. It doesn't have to be a particular document, right? Yeah. Um, what number of records do you have? that has this information.
0: Yeah, and and so what a lot of what a lot of law firms do they just say how many documents do we have? You know, that's it's it's probably better to you know, I'm not law, your lawyer, okay? But I would think that it would be better to overguess than to underguess in this situation. And uh, how many client records do you have in your case management or your billing system, you know, things of that nature that are private And as I said, private or sensitive information. So um, here's another, here's the the second part of the the record section, Vinny. Okay. Do you collect store, host, control, process, user share, biometric information or data such as fingerprints, voice prints, facial, hand, iris or retinal scans, DNA, or any other biological, physical, or behavioral characteristics that can be used to uniquely identify a person. Now there's a, uh, there's a, there's a, um, there's a, a yes on this. Okay, so if yes, right? So there's a the big one here, and this is in bold. Have you reviewed, there's, it's kind of a two part question. Have you reviewed your policies relating to the collection, storage, and destruction of such information or data with quali- with a qualified attorney, Dave Myers, and confirm compliance with a pic- applicable federal, state, and local, uh, f- and foreign laws. Right, and so the first so just, question has so, to do with you store it. Yeah, so can this one's do?
1: a little bit uh, tricky, right? Um, uh, because uh, it, it doesn't specify if that's for client or if that's for the law firm itself. I'm mm-hmm. assuming that I mean it can cover either
0: one doesn't matter it says identify a person. yep it says identify a person. So um, when you use your iPhone and it has facial
1: recognition or when you have uh, you know a thumbprint reader on, on your computer, it, it in a sense that information is stored on those devices in order to authenticate uh-huh. um, And so the, the question is, Uh, How does that fall for me? I don't know. I really don't know how that falls under that. But there are most people will say, no, I don't do any of that. Right. I think most people, most law firms say, yeah, we don't store any of that information anywhere. Right. Um, In the reality is that you do have uh, some some information there Mm -hmm. and you want to have systems in place um, for destruction. If the device gets lost uh, or stolen. Right. Uh, so that you can wipe that device remotely and, and, and remove that that type of information. Um, and, uh, you know, removing uh, wiping computers when employees leave to make sure that that information is gone um, and that type of thing.
0: Yeah, that's a that. You know, I don't I, I don't claim to know the reason they ask these questions the way they do. But to me, this mostly goes to. Um, your staff more than your clients in most law firms. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. I don't see law firms storing DNA, um, but because yeah, law practice, I guess what's that. <laughs> I guess it would depend what kind of law they practice. I guess so. I guess so. So um, yeah. And and so Vinny, how would we know that, you know, again, let's talk about some of the sources, you know, your, your facial recognition on your iPhone. If you have controls over the mobile devices, for your for your staff, let's just take, let's assume it's staff, right? And so you have a uh, a device, a cell phone that's got facial recognition on it. Okay, is that facial recognition? You need to determine is it kept and secured by the individual on their their provider, Apple or 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 Google or whoever that might be, or is it a requirement of of your mobile device management software, Intune or whatnot, and same thing with your with your laptops or or surface devices or 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 notebooks or even for desktops that can have a thumbprint scan as a two factor or a biometric login. You know, where is that information stored? Is it stored in a cloud provider somewhere, which is another question altogether, right? Um, or do you have some modicum of control on some software? Um, actually, I think that uh, we, we, hey, listen, this is a good, good example. I know that a nursing company that, that we actually work with and help every one of their people have to be thumb printed and scanned and cleared by a background check, right? So that would be definitely something would raise an eyebrow. I don't know if they're keeping it. I don't know it, who's keeping it, who's in control of it, but definitely something that should be hey, I don't know, Mr. Insurance Carrier Broker. You know, I need to ask that question. So if you're hiring your people and you're doing thumbprints to clear them for, for maybe your law firm that works for the government and they need certain levels of clearance, you know? The second part of that, have yeah, I love it. It's a loaded question. I love loaded questions. I'm a, I'm a master at loaded questions. If yes on that question, have you reviewed your policies? Stop right there. Have you reviewed your policies? You've gotta have policies to review. So if you don't have a policy to review, inherent to this question is the fact that you have to have that policy or you have to say no. Would you agree, Vinny? Yep. So now inherent to the question, have you reviewed your policies? Uh, You gotta have a policy related collection, storage, destruction. I love the destruction part of such information or data with qualified attorney. Now, also it says with a qualified attorney, not just any attorney, not just your insurance carrier broker either, okay? A qualified attorney, another plug for Dave Myers. Um, And so, Dave, you owe me for this. And so, and confirmed compliance. Confirmed is a big word there, right? Confirmed compliance with applicable federal, state, local, and foreign laws. Lots of lots of room there for a mistake, and lots of questions in that question before you can say yes. All right. So, Vinny, um, you know, I'm going to pick this apart a little bit. And Dave's not here, so we we won't speak for him. But this is exactly what Dave does now is makes these policies. That's what he was doing for the last you know bunch of years with us as well. Um, He makes these policies up for businesses and law firms. And then puts them in cycle for review and so on and so forth. Uh, Part of that is absolutely the storage of them. How are we storing them? How are we collecting and how are we destroying them? Destroying is an important aspect of that. Would you agree, Vinny?
1: Yeah. Um, You know, uh, I think Dave uh, mentioned at some point that we shouldn't have, uh, you know, just to um, keep records forever and ever and ever, right? Um, and so, um, you know, that's our tendency. Oh, we have more space, and we just add more space if we need it. Um, and all of a sudden, we have all this data everywhere that we never, that we never curate, we never do anything with.
0: Yeah, right. and that's that's on premise and on online too, in your cloud providers.
1: And so, making sure that 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 that's uh, you know periodically or even systematically uh, addressed. Um, I think, is
0: is an important piece. There Um, needs to be a data destruction policy, and you can automate much of this with many of the things that are out there today, but we just don't. It's called data bloat. You know, we don't want data bloat anymore. Um, I know law firms kind of feel like, oh, we have to keep it, you know, forever. Well, do you remember the old days when we used to send somebody down to the storage or the basement to grab boxes to shred them? It's pretty much the same thing for electronic now, wouldn't you say, Ben?
1: Yeah, I think it's. it just as it.
0: Yeah. Very, very important. So, uh, Dave can help you with these policies if you can't, if you don't, can't find Dave on LinkedIn now. Dave Myers, uh, uh, at, uh, Buckingham, right? And so, um, you know, hook us up and we'll get you, we'll get you to him. Uh, okay. Last question, Vinny. Last question. And it's a one part question, but it's got a lot of bold stuff on it. So <laughs> I love the simpleness of the initial question. Do you use a cloud provider to store data or host applications. Then of course they've got, you know, paragraphs almost, it seems like a bold stuff. If yes, please provide the name of the cloud provider, the cloud provider, right? Just the one Vinny, right? Everybody uses just one. So it's kind of funny, you're using more than one cloud provider, just about every law firm is. Um, If you use more than one cloud provider to store data, specify the cloud provider storing the largest quantity of sensitive customer and or employee records, including medical records, PHI, social security numbers, bank account details and credit card numbers for you. Right. And so that's kind of nice that they're looking for just the one biggest one. Right. The other small ones don't matter so much, I guess. Doesn't make any sense to me. Well, Vinny, how, how do you determine the, the the one provider that is storing the most data for you? Isn't that kind of a top one? Well, well hopefully it's not your email provider because
1: yeah. this type of information should probably not be communicated over email, right? Yeah. Unless it's encrypted email. Now there are, there are good options out there for encrypted email and it's possible that this information is sitting on your email through encrypted uh, messages. Um, but a lot of times uh, this would be either a cloud-based document management system or a cloud-based um, uh, practice management system or a cloud-based billing system, um, all of those types of things, you know, what contains more of that information mm-hmm. uh, than the other is really what you're looking for. Yeah. Um, and it's, it would be different for every firm. Um, I, yeah. it would. Hard for me to say, hey, it's this particular one that you need to target, but you need to consider them all, and you need to look at them and say, okay, what can, what has more of this uh, PII or this PHI? person. What health they're health. saying
0: in the in medical records, PHI, social security numbers, bank account details, credit card numbers, so on and so forth, of both your employees and your customers. So you know, I, I don't like to. I don't like to. Um, extrapolate but notice it does say employee records here which we were concerned whether that question before had mm-hmm. anything to do with employees you know this you're one about, now you're talking about
1: payroll companies mm-hmm. uh, benefit mm-hmm. companies yeah uh, yeah any, any type of solutions that they have in the cloud as well. brokers
0: for 401ks man so on and so forth so um you know it, I, I think the important thing here is and this was going to be the last question we covered because I don't want to go over today. We're going to have a couple of other uh, parts on this one because we've got about uh, at least another show, maybe showing half on the on this this just this application questions. These are very common across the board. These are standards every every insurance provider is going to want to know basically this kind of stuff and maybe more. And some of them are going to get really specific, but but Vinny you know, uh, let's talk about, let's split something up here for a second. Let's take in a cloud provider like a Microsoft 365. Well, you know that the vast majority of our customers are using Microsoft 365, but some of them are just using it for email. Some of them are using it for email and storing their documents in Teams or SharePoint or OneDrive, right? Um, and some of them build applications, you know, actually have Microsoft Azure servers that are part of the Microsoft cloud infrastructure. So- sure.
1: CRM is like dynamics or something.
0: dynamics. Right, right. So would you, I know we wouldn't, we don't want PII and all that stuff, PHI and all this other stuff in email, please. And if you do definitely change your practices today, right now, nothing should be sent like this. That's not encrypted. And if somebody sends it to you, you know, talk to a lawyer about how you handle that. Um, but Vinny, could we still List Microsoft as that as that company because we use servers in in their cloud and we use uh, SharePoint for Microsoft 365 and OneDrive. I mean, even though it's not email, absolutely it could be Microsoft.
1: As yeah, as, as the, your source, even though you might not have it in email, you might have it in SharePoint mm-hmm. or some other products that they have. There's a lot of different Microsoft products. They're a pretty
0: big company, so. I mean, yeah. What about Dropbox? Like, I mean, they offer a lot of great tools. Could okay. Dropbox be in that mix? Could Google Drive be in that mix? Yep, depending on the firm and,
1: and how they use the cloud providers, Yep.
0: Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. And if they're using case 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 management tools, right, like Cosmolex or or Clio or any, any other hosted application out there, that could be the case there as well. I mean, these you could have that information in those places as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and, you know, if you don't have an IT provider, or an IT team that can help you figure this kind of stuff out, um, you know, post a question in the comments and, uh, and we'll point you in the right direction. Um, but most of these companies have the ability nowadays, they're getting these questions over and over again. So look, they're looking at compliances themselves, SOC 2 and so on and so forth. And they may have reports that they can run to help in these situations. So um you know what, Vinny, next week, we're going to talk about information network security controls and ransomware controls. You know, I think that those two kind of go hand in hand. We'll split them up on this application so that, again, you know, the goal here is to be prepared in advance to check that checkbox yes when you get your insurance renewal application and you're coming across a cyber liability coverage. Is there any last final words on this, Vinny? No, I, I think, you know, obviously...
1: Um, security is being taken more seriously now even by your vendors um, and they're putting more requirements uh, on you um, as, a, as a law firm um, and, uh, and it's across the, the industry really that everyone knows that this has been a, a rising problem right? Yeah. and so we see it in the news um, pretty much monthly, um, almost weekly at times uh, about attacks hmm. here and attacks there. If you read if you keep up with the technology updates you see all kinds of vulnerabilities that are out there and the industry has to react um and so uh, doing a better job at protecting ourselves or and, and protecting our data and protecting our clients data
0: yeah the the sad truth is is that an insurance company's job is to is to ultimately make money you know and and not necessarily spend too much money i mean they have a they have budgets like everyone else, right? And so how do they do that? Well, they have to limit their risk and exposure, which mm-hmm. means that they have to force you, their clients to limit their risk and exposure and not have clients that are not good risks. So mm-hmm. um, every business and law firm should be out there trying to uh, ensure that they're a good risk. And, and I think we have just a responsibility to do that just in general. Forget for the insurance coverage, right? We have clients and people that, that trust us with their data and information. So, well, Vinny, thanks a lot. Um, you know, I appreciate a great topic, great answers. And um, and we look forward to seeing again next Tuesday, 1030 Eastern time. Uh, you can find us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audible, Amazon. Um, and they'll find links in all of our posts to those locations. So thanks a lot, Vinny. Thanks a lot, everyone. Uh, if you have you. questions... You know, again, post them after the show. We see them also go subscribe to our our um, our No law from left behind group on LinkedIn. Um, here's the link right here. And uh, and so we, we love questions in this group. Um, we also have the YouTube channel, which is growing in subscribers as well. So we look forward to seeing you there. Thanks a lot. Share this link out to everyone. Like and comment. Take care. Take it.